If music be the food of love, play on. Okay, I'm going to adapt this quote from good old Willie Shakes to be, if food be the food of love, eat on. Sounds better, right? God, I'm so corny. You would not believe how many times I forget to introduce myself in the intro, complete editing the episode, and then have to go back and then be like, hey, this is Miranda. And that's what I'm doing right now at 10.30 p.m. the night before this episode is going to publish. I have been dreaming of this episode for two years. When I first started planning for the first season, I think if you listen back to the trailer for the first season, I throw Chef in there as someone I might interview. After my brief pre-ramble about my relationship with food and breakups, you'll hear my chat with Chef Joshna Maharaj, where we talk about comfort food, food as a trigger, healing through food, and finding our way back to ourselves through food. I really struggled with food after my divorce. Struggle is an understatement for various reasons. One, when I'm busy, I forget to eat, which is partly due to my ADHD. I have a very out-of-sight, out-of-mind brain, and I was living alone, so I couldn't watch other people eat to remind myself and Immediately after my divorce, I made myself very busy. Two, because I also went through some pretty serious anxiety and depression. Because I made myself busy, because I wasn't processing. That landed me in the hospital this time of year, two years ago. I can't believe it's been two years. It's amazing. It feels like a lifetime ago now. But anyways, I ended up in the hospital because I couldn't eat. And I just couldn't eat even though I wanted to. And when I did eat, I couldn't keep it down. And three, because sharing food with someone that I was romantically interested in or had an intimate relationship with in their home or in my home was a huge trigger for me. And This only happened with men that I was dating, not women. I couldn't figure out why specifically there wasn't a terrible memory or traumatic moment that related to a dinner. I talked to my therapist about it, and she thought it made sense. When her mom died, she couldn't eat mangoes for a year because our memories of people and food together are so intricately linked. Sharing food with people is so intimate. And for me, it's a huge expression of care and it's vulnerable. During those meals that I would share with dates, I would get nauseous. My heart would pound. I would sweat. Sometimes my hands and feet would tingle, like all of my blood was rushing to protect my organs. Once it turned into a full on panic attack, and I blacked out. Luckily, we were on my couch sharing empanadas, so I didn't pass out onto the floor. Really, this was kind of like the ultimate flight in a fight-or-flight response. It's, it's just one part of how I have experienced PTSD. But I figured out how to regulate this. I made contact with the person I was with. I would breathe deeply, and repeat to myself in my head, not out loud, that I am safe and I make good decisions. And that helped. And here's the exciting part. Um, I don't experience this anymore. It took over two years, but I did it. I got to a place of finding safety within myself and also by choosing to be with someone who is safe. It's tricky to know if it's your intuition honestly assessing and saying, no, not them, or yes, them, or the trauma causing fear when there shouldn't be any. That first dinner that I made it through was a huge milestone for me in trusting myself and other people. I was given this gift that my host wasn't even aware of at the time. 
now I can experience safety in his home and share a meal without that panic. Love without emergency is something I have been holding onto as a mantra for the last two and a half years. And this brings me here to this place where my relationship with food is, for the time being, wonderful and something I do not take for granted. Food as a consistent source of joy in my life. In this economy? Ugh, the grocery bills hurt, but I love to cook and bake. And it's with this energy that I got to interview the equally energized Joshna Maharaj. Joshna is a chef, a two-time TEDx speaker, and activist who wants to help everyone have a better relationship with their food. She believes strongly in the power of chefs and social gastronomy to bring values of hospitality, sustainability, and social justice to the table. Joshna works with hospitals and schools in Canada to build new models for institutional food service. Her first book, entitled Take Back the Tray, captures the lessons and experience from her work in changing institutional food systems around the globe. She is an enthusiastic instructor of both culinary and academic students, constantly finding ways to make food stories come alive. Joshna hosts Kitchen Health Desk, a weekly call-in show on CBC Radio, so you can listen to her there. And she co-hosts a food and drink podcast called Hot Plate, currently in its fourth season. Welcome to The Big D, Jeshna. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here. I always ask my guests what our meet cute is, um, but this is actually oh. the first time we've met. Right. We've been set up. We've been set up. It's we've been true. set up. Yes. Uh, so that is a nice thing. I know. It is really nice. And this season, I've had a few setups, and I really loved those conversations. And so I'm really excited to talk to you today. Cool. I'm delighted yeah. to be here with you. Yeah, thanks. I, I've been working in the nonprofit sector for a number of years. And so I've been aware of your work uh, that's for really a nice. while. Okay. And, and followed, followed it all. And I guess now it was like two years ago. I saw you do a fundraiser, a virtual fundraiser for Progress Toronto. Yeah. Was it me and Paul? Or was yes. it just me? It was me and yeah. Paul. What yeah. have been me and Paul and the good food box. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah. And you just, you're so warm and you. you've got such a great sense of humor. And I've been thinking so much over the last couple of years about food and mm. how my relationship with food has changed through my separation and divorce and right. all various kinds of challenges and it's uh -huh. come up as a theme in multiple interviews that I've oh, done. Oh, that I mean. is interesting and because yeah. you've had this conversation a few times. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested in that. Yeah, exactly. So I thought I would start by asking mm -hmm. if you have a personal breakup or love story that you would want to share. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm both delighted and disappointed at the same time, to tell you. I, I, uh, I definitely do. Uh, just this year, actually, in April, I split up with uh, a lovely boyfriend I had for two years. Mm. Uh, in fact, we were entirely pandemic quarantine partners. Mm -hmm. We met each other a month before lockdown happened. And so when the directive came for us all to retreat, we, we had too much affection for each other. Mm -hmm. to part ways and so we figured out a way to bubble up yeah and make the magic happen uh, and then like i remember six or nine months in to the the weirdness of the way our lives were at that point like that needs to be sort of remembered in all of it right and that this dude this lovely guy was the only person that i touched in like oh a year and a half yeah Right? Or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. And like the the humor of it, this is how I know the universe has a sense of humor. The humor of it all, he's he was he's so completely other side of the coin to me. He is the tall, strapping, lovely Russian dude mm -hmm. uh, who just brought a completely different perspective, flavor, vibe over here. Mm 
mm-hmm. right? Everything from the fact that he black pepper was the top end to to spiciness, which was those challenge. Cooking for him was a definite wow. challenge because <laughs> one, I'm Indian, and mega flavor and lots of it is my instinct. But also the cook inside of me wanted to be like, you know, I could, we could just add a little bit of this, some yeah. garlic of this. But when I was trying to make Russian things for him, the simpler, the plainer, the better, because that is what is in his memory, right? Not my doctored up with a bit of garlic and parsley and all this other nonsense, right. please, right? And it would be so sweet to see, I would make him all these things. And he was a very enthusiastic eater. But I never saw him as happy as he was when I gave him a plate of roasted potatoes that I bought at the farmer's market. Right. They were beautiful, buttery, lovely, wonderful, fresh things. But Mm -hmm. he and I said, look at you. The stereotype is not nothing. (laughs) It definitely comes from somewhere. Uh, But I will say in the context of this conversation that we're having, my relationship with food changed a lot once I found myself in a relationship. Uh, and this was my first mega serious relationship, mm. uh, right? And it was everything from I had somebody to eat with on a regular basis mm-hmm. to the fact that hilariously I had a cold cuts container in my fridge, which I never really, you know, that was never really a thing. But yeah. he was super big on cold cuts and all of that. Um, and that there's to, to this to there maintains um, kefir and sauerkraut <laughs> in there that are delicious and that I have you know, taking on myself, but I watched myself and I'm a chef, right? So the fact that, that the inspiration of another person and the love and that sweetness of our relationship made me love cooking more because cooking mm-hmm. for him it mm-hmm. and, and taking care of him that way and always having packed up bits of soup and extra things to send to work and whatever it was, mm-hmm. I loved all of that. Right. And I don't have any kids or anything. So I was probably a bit of a hungry single person, (laughs) really happy for an outlet for all of this attention, right? But I think that it, I'm still feeling the weird triggers and memories since the breakup. You know what I mean? We broke up in April Mm -hmm. and it was like heart shattering. Like I'm in a healed, a much more healed place about it all right now. But when I think back to that version of myself, that, oh man, my heart was busted. I remember finding things in my kitchen that are from him or for him or, you know what I mean, that I bought this whole big bag of whatever because I was now making Russian pastries all the time or whatever, you know what I mean? And I, and I was just like, oh, I need, to, I need to get all of this out of here, right? I'm like, I can't, I can't look at this right now, <laughs> right? It's, and the notion of me having painful triggers in my kitchen was, 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 I was like, major red flag territory i was like i'm sorry this is my happy place yeah uh so if there's anything in here that's not making me i gotta we gotta get it out of here uh, that that was really something substantial to note other all the other things in the apartment it was his presence in my kitchen uh, that i had to consciously which one yeah. i mean which was sort of heartbreaking itself i'll be honest yeah because the saying goodbye right to be like oh i'm no longer this person yeah. Right. I was this person for a couple of years and now I'm not this person anymore. Yeah. That was heavy. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, let's let's keep we have questions. Let's keep going. Well, all of that makes so much sense to me. And I kind of think of cooking for someone else and then sharing that meal with them mm-hmm. as like one of the ultimate love language because it combines three oh, together. That's it. Uh, yes quality time if you're sharing the meal with the person Mm -hmm. act of service and gift yes gifting it's like the mega love language um yeah and so cooking and sharing food with my partners has also like played a huge role in the way that we connect and then also something that shifts and changes after a breakup too yeah 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 so has has food played a role in your other romantic relationships? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's clearly my love language, feeding people, like to a fault, right? I am, I'm also a compulsive feeder. Like it's, it's a, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> a, it's, it can probably get to be too much for sure. 
but it like that is it's part of the wooing Ugh. for me right it's everything right it's uh, the mention of the fact that i am a chef changes things yeah. right and sometimes when i don't want people to know that i'm a chef i'll say things like i work in a bank mm-hmm. uh right or I, I give some job where you don't ask any more questions nobody asks any follow-up questions right. to the, like i work in a bank but when i say i'm a chef tons of questions and there are times where i just don't want to be that exposed uh because this it's it's cooking is a very natural extension of what my body does right right my instinct is always uh how can i feed this better <laughs> right yeah. what and like if i need to reach out if i need to sweeten anybody up like i remember when i was running uh campus food services uh-huh. at now toronto metropolitan university then ryerson uh i said to my staff I was like, nobody goes and talks to the security office, the facilities team, any without some food in your hands. Because we're always going to ask for favors. We're okay. always going to get them to bend the rules or do some extra different thing for us. So you go with a basket of muffins. Yes. <laughs> or you go with some fresh strawberries. Uh, right? This is our magic power. Yeah. This is, you know, we are food services. This is what we do on this campus. It's and I'm true. a cook. And so the way I make things lovely for people the way i yeah. the way i take care of people the way i introduce myself to people <laughs> is always with food i remember this partner very sweetly he had he shared it because when he first came over mm-hmm. he showed up at my door with two cups of tea and a nice bar of chocolate right already i was like right and as the relationship progressed he would bring me sensible things like a dozen organic eggs and a chicken and a brisket. Yeah. Right. And I was like, and I was like, you know, this is not, you didn't just bring me a sandwich. You brought me the brisket. Mm-hmm. You have different, you know what I mean? I was brisket like, is serious. This man understands who I am yeah. and what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? And he like brought me his favorite mustard and all this I, kind of funny. I, and I, I was into all of it. Right. And then the pastries and all the sweet other, you know what I mean? European things came with that. But it, uh, it is, it is so entwined in, intertwined into everything. Yeah. Right. And even just when you think about the fact that you meet somebody for the first time, it's over a drink, or at a table yeah. for a meal, or you met somebody at a party and an order of line, and a, yeah. you know this is, yeah, uh, this is this is deep, easy human connection. That's is true. The thing, right. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's the p. That's really what it's all about. I think. Yeah. Which, then I suppose is what makes the breakups that much more challenging. Yeah. I think, right? Because yeah. when I have that burger again from the place where I had my birthday meal and the <laughs> da-da-da, and the minute I open that, it just, it's like all those memories come flying out of the carton, which is way more complication than I wanted for that cheeseburger. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, right. Right? And I was like, now I got to find a new burger. <laughs> you have to liberate that cheeseburger. <laughs> Because this one is this one is tainted. It's not good anymore. That's the real sadness. Is is exactly that, right? You're yeah. Like, oh, too bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, follow up question yes. to the wooing aspect. Yes. Do you have a go to like showstopper wooing meal that you cook for people? Oh, this is such an awesome question. I feel like you're gonna get secrets out of me now. Uh, and the truth is, it's the magic powers show up in two ways. Okay. Baking, uh-huh. uh, because baking is my happy, happy, happy place, mm-hmm. and Indian food. Mm-hmm. Right? Because Indian food is the food that I learned to make uh, without recipes. Mm-hmm. Right? This is taught from my mom, my aunts, and it's so much more sense-driven. Right. It's how much how much this looks like and what this sounds like and what it smells like and mm-hmm. how how it feels when you stir the right. And so if I really want to lay it down for somebody, they're going to get Indian food or I'm going to bake them something and they will they will not be able to resist. <laughs> <laughs> it is because, look, I think it's important for me to mention the fact that what underlies this mm-hmm. is I am one of those people who believes super strongly that your emotional state transfers into the food that you cook when you, mm-hmm. right? It's uh, like water for chocolate is the most, Ooh. is that beautiful depiction of that, right? And that when 
her heartbreak was palpable in that dish and it sent everybody running from the table in tears because it was just too much to handle. Mm. Yet when there's another scene where she's grinding this masa and it's all very sort of sultry and appealing. And after a few mouthfuls, people leave the table like pairing up and, and walking like behind a tree and <laughs> to go and have some privacy, right? It's so my love and when I am cooking, when I cooked dinner for him, all of my best things went into the, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, right. And so when and, and Indian food particularly allows this to happen because it is layers and layers and layers. You start with the ghee and then it's cumin seeds and then mm -hmm. chilies and then da, 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 you know what I mean? I can really uh, become a proper witch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, really, that's what's happening there. Yeah. Um, in that context. Uh, and similarly with baking, because I feel like with every egg I crack, with however many times I mm -hmm. run that spatula around the bowl and I am thinking about this person, mm. right? I do this a lot when I make wedding cakes, oh. uh, right? I make them only for my people. Mm -hmm. I don't, there's none of this because it's way too much pressure. Uh, yeah. They're the gifts for my people when they get married. Yeah. I make cakes. Yeah. Uh, but I like... I remember, first of all, having like a strong conversation with the pounds of butter and the flour and the sugar. And I was like, all right, this is major. What's going to happen? I'm going to need everybody's cooperation here to make this happen. Mm -hmm. But as I'm folding in, you know, whipped cream or I'm cracking eggs or I'm beating butter and sugar together, I am thinking about my relationship with these people. Mm. Right. I'm thinking about what a delight that my dear university pal found somebody to marry and here we are and I'm making this you know what I mean and now I'm gonna be at the wedding and I like this guy too and we're gonna and now all of those nice intentions are gonna go into this cake and these 200 people are gonna be at this party and what a lovely thing and it's yeah. a glorious opportunity and an important responsibility right all at the same time because look it could go if I'm not in good shape this could yeah. go terribly you don't wrong. want an anxiety cake right exactly which is I mean, this this sort of takes us to the cooking that is done in Greece. Yeah. Right? Because that same wisdom translates to the other side of things. And at its most extreme grief around death of a person, like I remember after my own father died, mm. good six months went by before I cooked myself something. Mm -hmm. Right? I really understood at that moment why you take food to people's houses when death happens, right? Yeah. Because people should not be cooking for themselves. Because I realized <laughs> that I was just recycling my own sadness. Ooh, yeah. Right? I was putting it into the food that I was cooking, and then I was eating it again in a way that was palpable, right? And I was like, I am somehow duplicating and augmenting, <laughs> right? I'm, this is already a painful, unbearable situation, and I am somehow making this worse. Yeah. Because I am rejuvenating my sadness in the food that I cook for myself. Wow. And so to break the pattern, as nuts as this might sound, to break the pattern and order some takeout mm. or call a pal or, you know, request, you know, mm -hmm. some supplies to be brought in is the way I got through that. And similarly, the romantic breakup was very much the same. Mm -hmm. The fall from the glory of feeding him and mm. us to now just accepting the fact that I was back to just me. Mm -hmm. was miserable yeah right it was miserable and yeah. i went down fighting <laughs> all right i was not happy about it at all and i was angry that i even had to do this emotional work Ooh. to make this transition uh -huh. you know what i mean i was like it's enough that he broke my heart but now i have to do this and recalibrate my relationship with food and go what mm -hmm. uh i remember i yeah i was particularly unimpressed about that but this is what happens when you let people in that's true right yeah. this is i'm learning that this, yes. is, this is this is all this is all part of it and in fact i have to tell you i made these cookies for the tv appearance i was on yesterday and uh -huh. these kolachki are polish european russia eastern european mm -hmm. things and he he was so like it was like i had evoked him Mm. in the one and a half hours that I spent in my kitchen making this pastry, filling them with jam. 
because it was all things that I've, I've made for him. You know what I mean? It's all connected. The sour cherries and this cream yeah. cheese pastry and the, right. It's all. And I was like, it was sort of amazing. I was amazed that after this much time, right. That, I mean, if you have a solid amount of months that has passed uh, since eight months or so. And I was like, wow, I cracked the door open by creating the context and in the, you know what I mean? His spirit and his vibe just really, uh, at that point, invaded the situation, to be honest, right? And I was mostly worried about whether that would uh, hassle my emotional state. You know what I mean? And that that would go into the cookies. And, you know what I mean? And uh, that's what I was most, I was like, I can't have my sadness going into this business for these nice people on the television. That mm -hmm. is not what they signed up for. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was amazing to observe it. Miranda, that's like, let's just say that, right? To watch this happen and to be like, well, he is just everywhere, mm. right? And when you love them and when it's good, that is the dreamiest situation, right? But then yeah. when they're gone uh, and that love is very much not a thing that exists anymore, then mm -hmm. you're just like, yeah. <laughs> right? Get this out of me. How do yeah. I, why is this still here? Why does this still have so much charge? Yeah. Like uh, being and emotionally haunted yeah. through food. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, and I get yeah. like I guess it's just when you're in it, you're in it for all the bits. Yeah, yeah. I think, but and listen, I feel like I've taken you on a wild tangent. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's amazing. I'm just thinking of so many other things that I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, is there a comfort food that? can bring you out of that slump and back into cooking for yourself. Yes. Yes. Um, because I, I mean, there came a point where I was like, okay, I'm still here. I'm still in charge of me. This is still my magic place. Uh, you know, and listen, there were likely another dude. will <laughs> you know what I mean? This, not the last time this is going to happen. So let's just make some space for the fact that sometimes there are visitors that come and go. Yeah. Uh, right? Let's, it's okay. Uh, and, and to realize that once my heart healed, mm -hmm. that, the, that the mojo came back. Yeah. You know what I mean? That the magic. That's like, oh, no, yeah. this is still, this is still who I am. Yes, that version of me got a little busted up and knocked around by life. Okay. But that wasn't all of me. Uh, right? And so for me, the, the kitchen is, is comfort, safety, happiness, joy, connection, all of those things. Uh, and so um, the place that really, uh, that, that heals me a lot, if you can believe it, is a farmer's market. Mm. That is my, in fact, the farmer's market was the location where we were set up. That's oh. where I bumped into Nadine at the market. <laughs> that mm -hmm. She made this nice connection. And so I remember going to the market and just buying things because they look wonderful and they're from my friends. That's really, that's the, that's the motivation, right? It's not about a list. Uh, it's about what looks beautiful, what's speaking to me on the tables, these nice tomato, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I came home and I made myself, my favorite thing is just a plate full of bits of stuff from the market, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, a, sometimes it's like fat slices of tomato with crunchy mold and salt. Uh, some pickles, hunk of bread, you know what I mean? Maybe there's a peach, thinking about what's around at that time of year. Um, some beautiful cheese, uh, you know, that that market plate. Maybe a little sweet something, mm -hmm. um, bottle of wine, you know what I mean? You put that together. But that's like, that's reset, ground zero kind of place, you know? There's some good sourdough, oh, uh, some yeah. nice fermented pickle, you know, whether delicious olive, whatever it is. Momo, like whatever, whatever, whatever yes. beautiful thing comes from the nice people at those tables. That was like a reset for me because those are things that I introduced him to. You know what I mean? Those were the, the, the way I, you know, yes, I made all lovely Russian things for him. But I also was like, this is me. And I have this big, loud voice and this, you know, this serious political agenda about our food system and all of it. Yes. But when I eat and as I'm speaking to you, I'm sort of putting it together in my mind. To me, it's a little bit of a return to home and values, mm. right? I still believe that the, the most beautiful, nourishing connection comes from food, even with a busted heart. Yeah. Right? It's cool. And the one beautiful thing about food and the kitchen is it will take you at any time. That's true. Right? It's yeah. the loveliest, sweetest thing. My kitchen, after being away from it, my kitchen did not say, 
oh, look who finally decided to come back. Like there was, you know what I mean? There was no judgment, no yeah. hesitation. It was a warm, open welcome. Uh, once I was ready to do that again. Uh, yeah. And it was it, like I surprised myself with the fact that I needed that distance because right. I not very much stands right. in the way of my me and my food. Yeah. Yeah. Not really. No, no COVID. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not at all. Uh, and so this was it was uh, shocking for me just to be like, whoa, I really don't even have an appetite right now. Yeah. Well, this is bad. once I sat with that and then ventured back into the kitchen it was uh, i was warmly welcomed which was super lovely but it felt great to go through those paces again and be like listen at some point this will be less heavy yeah at some point it will be okay this will be easier and my job is to just be brave enough to keep moving ahead mm-hmm. i think <laughs> right and look i'm here to tell you on the other side of it now that yeah it's cool and there are moments still like last night I got all weird and triggery about these sweet Polish cookies, <laughs> about these cookies. Uh, but like, I sometimes, I think at that moment too, I also was like, this is life. This is what happens when you make deep connections with people. Yeah. Right? This is just it. When you let somebody in, they become a part of you in this really beautiful way. But you don't get that beauty if you don't expose yourself. Yeah. I think. Right. It's, I, I mean, yeah, that's the zest of life. Right. You got to crack it all open and offer it up. Yeah. Uh, but it means that you leave yourself open to taking some hits in your tenderest places at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that is that's uh, that's where this really starts hurting. <laughs> yes. What does bravery taste like to you? Whoa! what a question. Um, sometimes it bravery tastes like a whole bunch of mega flavors put together at once, right? It's like bravery and audacity. It's like a fine line, you know what I mean? Between the two. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And sometimes, and you know where that shows up a lot? It shows up a lot in the Indian kitchen and in the Chinese kitchen. Yeah. I've thought about this because I, I made some friends with um, a, a Vietnamese and Chinese cookbook over quarantine. I wanted to boost mm-hmm. my skill at cooking that food. Mm-hmm. And it's all about sauces and marinades. Right. Yes. And I would and, and it remind it very similarly to the way Indian cuisine moves dry spices around. Mm-hmm. Right. There's many, many, many different permutations and combinations of all of that. The Chinese kitchen does a very similar thing, but with sauces. Right. Right. And I it would blow me away that that this recipe needed this much dark soy sauce and this much light soy sauce and this much acid and then fish sauce and then chili. Right. And I, because I was a student of this style of cooking at the time, I was like, oh, OK, I'm going to trust you and your nice face. You know, I'm going to trust that, you know, where you're leading us. But this feels yeah. interesting that there's so much. That's where the bravery came in to be like, OK, we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, in the Indian context, it's like, get ready, people. We're going to do this. Yeah. It's going to, this is going <laughs> to be a whole lot at once and prepare yourselves. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think bravery in the kitchen is loud. Oh, yeah. Right? Mega, big flavor. Yeah. yeah. That's the bravery. Just to go for it. Okay. So did you let your ex in your kitchen with you? Like, did you cook together? I did. Oh. I did, um, and but it was not immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was definitely not immediate, and um, I did, uh, and it was tricky because everywhere I turned, he was right there, and I'm used to being in my kitchen by myself. But uh. then at the same time, I was like, "Ooh, but he's here!" Right? It was sort of lovely too, right, to have him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, and then it was sweet. To like be in the kitchen and then be like, oh, wait, I've never been this. I'd like I'd never been that distracted in the kitchen before. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he come in for a little smooch or do some lovely little thing. And I'd be like, wait, I got this thing on the stove. This other, you know, all this stuff is happening. And it was it was um, much to be honest, much like the rest of this apartment. I had to learn to make space for him. Mm. I had to understand that it did not naturally exist. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I had to uh, be like, oh, right. 
different. I see he's going to be here too. He's okay. So I need to take a deep breath and chill out. And maybe we don't cook things with as much intricacy and detail and fuss. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't make something that requires me to watch three pans and something in the oven. Right. Because somebody else is here now and other Mm -hmm. things are happening. And you know what I mean? Maybe we're as grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) This is what we're going to eat together. Uh, because it it was lovely. And then a couple of times he cooked something for me. Oh, twice. I remember he made lunch over the holidays last year, hot dogs. And I was like, I was feeling for hot dogs and I went and got some, you know, good naturally raised, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I was like, uh, the plan was hot dogs for lunch. Uh, And he was like, you want me to make them? I said, 100%. I want you to make them. He's like, what do you want on them? And I was like, I want you to make all the decisions. I'm going to sit on the couch and watch TV and you're just going to bring me a plate of food. And I'm like, and I'm going to eat it. And I'm, I'm no complaints or anything. And it was lovely to watch him by himself in my kitchen. Uh-huh. Right. And to, to remind myself to stop looking over his shoulder and even just asking what he needs. Let him open the cupboards and find the stuff. There's no, it's not a secret. You know what I mean? Where things are in my kitchen, just leave him. Let him yeah. be there. Let him do his thing and see what lovely thing he produces. Yeah. Uh, right. And he well, it was he made two very, very delicious hot dogs for me. Amazing. And it was wonderful uh, for me to be like, huh. But again, like I was like, oh, this is who I am now. I'm somebody who has a sweet man who is just wearing T-shirt and boxer shorts making me lunch. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice to think back on it and just feel nice about it. That's good. Uh, and not have the, the like. Yeah. When I first became single, like I like basically ate takeout for a uh, year. <laughs> yeah. And I love to cook myself. I love yeah. to cook. I love to yeah, bake. Yeah. And then when I started cooking again, I just didn't know how to cook for one person. And I would either like I'd be cooking for six every night or just having all this produce that would go bad. And I just couldn't (laughs) eat it fast enough. Do you have any tips on cooking for one? It's a it's a it's a real challenge. Uh, Right. I do. I I, uh, and I have really tried to be more diligent about it myself. Mm -mm. Right. For a number of reasons. One is walking my own talk. First of all, is something that I constantly force myself to do for hopefully obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, But the other the stupidity of it all is that I don't I personally don't love leftovers. Which is a real problem as a single person. Right. Simply because boxes of things and packages of things are one standardized size. The average recipe serves four. In, in an uncompromising way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you do? Uh, sometimes you can cut a thing in half, yeah, right? And make two portions and then there's lunch the next day and fine. Um, but it's, it's really, really challenging. And so I find myself, the way I handle it is I've invested it in a, in a racket of uh, takeout containers mm. and I am constantly moving food around, right? Mm. So- Anybody who hangs out with me, uh, meets me for a meal, comes over for a visit, everybody gets a something, food package. That's I'm sure amazing. anybody in my life <laughs> would tell you that it would be weird uh, to hang out with me and not have me be like, oh, I have chili in the car for you. Or like, oh, there's some chicken curry left over for that's the package for you or for your uh, kid or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. I mean, I know that is not the most... Um, doable or affordable solution sometimes because <laughs> sometimes your budget needs to just feed you and not the whole world but that is the the best way that i can manage sometimes yeah. i get really uh i get really serious about it myself and i'll do a like saute of some chicken and vegetables and then one day it's over rice the next day it's like a quesadilla you know mm-hmm. what i mean and day final day it's a sandwich or you know whatever fun a fried rice thing it ends up being yeah. Sometimes I'll play that game. Yeah. Um, but it is it is challenging. Although I have to say, mm-hmm. the moments when I take the time to make myself something thoughtfully, mm. right? When I like I went go out and I buy a piece of something, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If it's a nice bit of steak 
or I see some beautiful vegetables at the market or whatever it is. And I want to make myself a beautiful sauce and put it, plate it. You know what I mean? Put it on a plate, sit yeah. down, not have a screen on and just yeah. me and the steak au poivre or whatever the thing is that I've yeah. made. It always feels good. Right? Because it's uh, it's a tricky thing with me specifically, the fact that I... I, it's a running joke that I say in order for me to get a good meal in, the best thing for me to do is invite somebody else over for dinner. That's so true for me. Right. Too. Because the meal that I will make to feed somebody else is a much better meal than I will make just for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a huge motivator. Huge. But uh, at the so, same time, like I want to be better at doing that nice thing for myself. I know. I know. Yeah. Uh, I know. So I, my, my current goal is once a week I do this. Oh, that's great. Once a week, start there. Once a yeah. week, it's dinner date, just me. That's so nice. Uh, and I take the time to make myself something thoughtfully. I, I pr And it's not like I purchased the thing with like, this is dinner for me tonight. Mm -hmm. This is my dinner tonight. It's going to be this piece of fish or this lovely, yeah. you know, these, these mushrooms or whatever else it is. Because like, it's, it's so silly that it's something that I only shower on other people mm -hmm. to attract them, to woo them, to soothe them, to help them. Like it's, I need to use some of my own magic powers on myself. Yeah. Uh, right. And in griefy moments, right, after loss and separation, mm -hmm. that that really became something. Because there for me, there's familiarity in recipes, particularly in baking. Right. Yes, lots of triggers from the Eastern European delights. <laughs> but when I go back to my tried and true killer chocolate chip cookie recipe, I'm like, this is who I am. I yeah. am still here and it is still delicious and everything's fine. Right. Yeah. At least for the 36 minutes that it takes to finish all, you know what I mean? To get all that done. Exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, your friends are very lucky to have you care for them in that way and, and to have you bring them your, your leftovers. <laughs> and uh, I think it's such a huge part of community care and it's so practical. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know like how to support people going through a breakup beyond maybe like the first day and i always refer to like you know like the ice cream and bottle of wine yeah but then what happens after that and yeah. you know sitting and spending time and listening to your friend process is really important but there are also practical needs that are hard to take care of for yourself when you're grieving and food is just one thing that people can do for each other that yeah builds yeah. community and is so important totally totally yeah. and in fact i do virtual cooking demos here and last week mm -hmm. i did one and i had two groups of post-secondary students on a campus i had a group at concordia and a group at dalhousie mm -hmm. and we and we the base team was here in toronto mm -hmm. uh so it was really fun and we were making we it was intentional large group cooking there were like eight or ten of them in each kitchen one of the first times people are back in the kitchen together. And so I was on a laptop walking them through two recipes. We did a winter minestrone and a pear ginger snap crumble. And it was large quantity, right? Oh. The portion of the servings were 10 people uh, because the notion of a community kitchen is you come, you pull your resources to purchase the stuff, share the labor, and then everybody has something to eat and then maybe takes a bit home. Lovely. Yeah. But of course, in order for me to work through these recipes, I had to make everything here. Uh -huh. So then at the end of the session, I had this giant pear ginger snap crumble and minestrone for 10. Right. And I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Right. Yeah. What am I going to do with all of this? Uh, and like, as if on cue, because I think the universe and I are conspiring with each other. I got a message from pal, two pals whose moms are on their way out. Mm. One, sadly, we just lost. Mm -hmm. And another, she got news that it's closer than she thought. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right. Okay. there's gonna be a package at your door <laughs> i'm on my way yeah. right and uh, that's how i understood to make the situation better and i was delighted that i actually had this stuff uh to, you know i'm like look i have this beautiful minestrone that we just made with all these lovely local ingredients uh you can that's how i'm gonna soothe you and comfort you yeah right this ends i mean miranda as cheesy as it sounds it felt just as lovely for me to put this package in their hands as I hope it felt for them to receive it and open yeah. it and eat it, right? Yeah. It's this is the 
through the good and the bad when it's you know when it's awesome when it's not awesome food is still that gorgeous conduit mm-hmm. uh right because the, the i put food packages in the same hands of people for their birthdays or celebrations or for you know for happy joyful moments in our lives together it's just when we're in a relationship with each other this is still how it is yeah you know and and it it sounds so nuts but even last night as i was making those cookies with my broken heart and all the healing and considered, I had the thought yeah. that I was going to send him a package of these cookies. Mm-hmm. Right? With a with total one way, no need to reciprocate, follow up, any of it. Yeah. But I was like, I'm thinking of you. I know you will love these. Mm-hmm. Um, here you go. Right? So I was marveling about that. I, I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. But my heart and my instinct is very much right to do that to be like yeah. this connection still exists right uh right even though uh, uh even though I'm, we're not it's not animated let's say or alive yeah yeah that's amazing that food can be like that conduit even if there's no like verbal relationship it's it's, yeah. it's and and i knew that if he opened that package and saw what was like he he would know he would understand completely yeah yeah. Right. It's with all his broken heart, you know, what I mean, whatever, you know, his uh, the painfulness that it's been for him, too. It's really uh, this is a tough piece, this collecting scar tissue like this. Right. And figuring out how to sort of be, uh, you know, a recognizable version of you feels crazy. Uh, right. And, and I think a lot about like this was a two year relationship. Yes, it was my first. And so, you know, impact perhaps a bit sharper for me. Two years is substantial. Two is substantial enough that there was this painful moment where I had to pull all his things out of here. Right. And pack all this like that. I was the entire time. I was like, please, please do not have many more of these in my life. Please. Uh. This is awful. Uh, But I think about... Um, like I think about how difficult it was for me to take the, the second, you know what I mean? The second soap dish, you know, cause he is very sensitive skin and wanted this other weird soap and he didn't like my natural soap. So I got him another soap, but I was like, Ooh, I don't need this here anymore. Let's get rid of that. Oh, we don't. Oh, let's get rid of this. Oh, we don't need. Right. Yeah. But what is that like? Like I think about divorce, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? When, when lives have been so deeply intertwined with each other and then you attempt to pull that apart. I, I have a friend of mine who went through a divorce and felt a bit sheepish about making her now ex-mother-in-law's recipes, right? Because there was a binder and a whole book that was given at the wedding about yeah. the family she was marrying into. And we sort of rolled our eyes with our feminist disdain, <laughs> right? <laughs> about the, about the, the nonsense gesture that this was. Although the cook inside of me was like, give me those recipes. Oh, I bet they're good. <laughs> Let me see those, but don't force me to make them. Give me those recipes, but don't force me to make. Yeah, but um, but then you fall in love with them. You marry, you stay married ten years, well, whatever it is. You you know what I mean. You make them; they're a part. But now, when we're there with her ex mother in law's chicken pot, pot or whatever thing it is, it has a different sentiment. Yeah, right. It has a different spirit, a different flavor. It's not the same anymore. Yeah, and I think more often than not. There's some foods that you say goodbye to as well, at least for a while, right? I think so. Yeah. Especially if there's like cultural difference in in yes. the partnership yes. and you're sharing foods that are so intimate to your partner's background. And then really? once you split, then like, I don't know, like I've sometimes thought like, wow, like, can I even eat this food anymore? <laughs> like, yes. Of course no, I can. It's the truth. Of I mean, course yeah, I can. Course but can. it's like. The feeling is an estrangement from the food. Yes, and definitely. The yeah. Because the food and the identity of the person is so linked. Exactly. Right? It is so linked. Yeah. That you cannot separate them. Yeah. Right? Those dumplings are him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the chocolate cake is her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To some degree, right? Or if it's the pastries that you had every Saturday morning. Yeah. Then uh, the time, the next time you walk in by yourself, right? And and the grand, the grand is like, oh, I don't need to order that many anymore, right? Because the, the instinct around the like, we're gonna get six of those, we're gonna get two of those, we're gonna. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, 
wait a minute. I'm the only one here now. Yeah. Uh, right. I'm not going to take down quite that much, but yeah. It's, yeah. Oh. I know. Uh, so then I guess like the flip of what we've already been talking about, which is food as a, a source of like a, a trigger in some ways is how can food be a source of healing? Yeah. It's a good one. And I think that there are a number of ways that this happens, mm. right? I think that there, I'm really deeply connected to traditional Chinese medicine. Mm. And one of the real major pearls of wisdom is about the energetic properties that, that accompany every food, mm-hmm. right? TCM has this extraordinary sort of encyclopedia of knowledge yeah. about the, the different kinds of energy that various foods carry with them and then contribute to your body and your system right so quite literally for like heartache and the need to heal and restore there are like Mm. broths (laughs) right like and and the broth piece is super important once i understood that the natural process of digestion that happens in the body what your stomach does is essentially turn everything you eat into a soup right because that's the that's where everything is available to all the other systems and the crews yeah. working on the inside to keep everything running, right? Yeah. So when you give sick people soup, it is because they need their their limited energy for healing and restoration. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be wasting energy digesting corn on the cob or a steak or you know what I mean? <laughs> they need food that's partially already broken down essentially, yeah. which why a pureed soup Really lazy, soft cooked onions, you know, that sort of thing is what somebody who is not well needs. And that is, that goes for any kind of ailment. That's like sick, flu, cold, whatever, but broken heart, grief, also, this works. This is simple ways to restore yourself because you're burning energy, being sad or weeping or Mm -hmm. uh, feeling regret or replaying. Every scenario of your dead relationship, whatever, whatever thing is happening, right? Yeah. Um, and so there's that piece. And I think, like, it's lovely when someone makes that for you uh, to heal you and just delivers you a container. For me, I remember when I made myself a pot of soup. I stood there, you know what I mean? Before the oil and the onions and ginger and garlic and ginger and stuff went in, I was like, all right, this is us now. I'm making this for me because I would make soup being like, oh, I'll give this, you know what I mean? I'll give this to him for his lunch. He'll take this. He'll, he'll, you know, if there's extra, it doesn't matter. It'll go. He loves these things. I'll make. But I was like, nope, this one's for me. I love all of the things I'm putting into this soup. This is only for me with the intention that it is going to take care of me. And I'm going to eat this for breakfast for the next five days and take care of myself. Yeah. Right. I sometimes am embarrassed at how much conscious effort I have to put in to taking care of myself. Uh, right. Uh, sometimes I think that it should be more a part of my instinct than it is. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. But so the healing, that's one piece, right, is the healing for sure. But then there's another side where it's like my people and a pizza you know what I mean? And then someone else has beer and then someone else is like, oh, I just made these. Well, right. And that is a salve, right? Yeah. It is uh, some dirty food like your favorite fried chicken oh. and a laugh or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. It like it just is a reminder, like these are my people. This is my connection. Even my, even if my people are the people who make the fried chicken. Yeah. Right. Going in and seeing them being like, hey, once again, here we are, pals. Nice to see you. <laughs> yes. Right. There is healing there, right? There's like, there's the more like deep nutritional restore your body and your spirit kind of thing. But then there's the like, oh, have a laugh, eat something delicious, talk some nonsense, be messy and sloppy. And you know what I mean? You know, wipe your hands on your pants and just, (laughs) just be cool with it. Yeah. Right. I I love both of those opportunities. And I'm delighted that I have people in my life who support both, right? I have one friend who just like sends a message. There's like cheesy bread, question mark. And I'm like, sometimes, yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Uh, that's exactly it. Or like, honey, is it time for dumplings? Is it time? And I'm like, it's more than time. But like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That's really it. And for me, because food is is the way I understand the world, right? That's the lens through which I deal with the world. There is um, familiarity, right? Making things that I make all the time uh, can 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 do a really good job of reminding you about yourself, uh, right? If it's like the omelet or just the way I like a grilled cheese sandwich or the roast chicken, just just you know what I mean. And this is the way I've always made it. Once I figured it out, I'm like, this is a perfect roast chicken or this is a perfect whatever to make that thing again. Right. Mm -hmm. And just be like, yes, we still do this. Yeah. Uh, This is who we are. I'm still this person and it's cool. Here we are. I didn't imagine that I could take these hits. Whatever, whatever it is. Here we are. We're still have this Elton John in my head. I'm still standing. Elton John, right, is running through my head right now. Just like we're still here. It's fine. Yeah. Right. A bit busted up, but cool. And we're fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's the healing, I think, in that confirmation or affirmation. Right. But that you made it, you made it through. Uh, uh, but like the, the question yeah. about food as a trigger and when it's a problem, I thought about this so much mm-hmm. because, because we don't really have the opportunity to opt out. You can't really stop eating. No. Right? You can't. And and I think that the parallel there is that you can't stop living either. Right? This is this is the point. <laughs> right? You gotta you gotta get back at it. You take hits. But you cannot turn it all off. You have to find a way to make this good again. Right? And to make it joyful again. I will say I am super grateful for the lightness mm-hmm. that is part of this now. That the the heavy kind yeah. of the fogginess of the the uh the depth of it immediately post breakup was a place I hope not to visit again. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Although, for all intents and purposes, I now have a solid set of tools for what to do if and when I find myself back in that place again, right? There's I think it it there are things to be grateful for there. Yeah. Right? Be grateful for the fact that you took some hits, but you learned how to get yourself out of it. Right. You learned how to manage it. You learned how to even if you just endured it and didn't take any massive sort of volcanic erupting proactive moves out, even if you just made it through and then it didn't hurt so much anymore. I think that is totally okay too. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your your menu planned. That's it. (laughs) You know, you're like, oh, okay, this is what we're going to do now. It's totally true. You know, you know who's so great for that? Nigella Lawson. Oh, right. She is so good at reminding us of the delight of making yourself something wonderful, Mm. right? She's always a fabulous host, but the fact that she's always just shoving things in her own mouth, right? And at the end of the show, she like pads down knowing that there's one little bit of sausage still left. I think of her so often to be like, treat yourself as well as you treat the people, the other people in your life. And look, let's just say this to the folks listening. Food is a wonderful enabler of that behavior, right? Not many other aspects of our life, I think, offer us what the kitchen and food can, right? It's a most glorious way to care for other people, yes. But using the same attitude and that same approach, you can do a wonderful job of taking care of yourself as well. And as though sometimes you do that reluctantly, right? It's still better than not doing it at all. Right. I always want to encourage people to find, to see the kitchen as a hopeful place. Mm-hmm. Right. It's always a place that's promising, where delicious mm-hmm. things emerge, where you, where you work things out, right? Where everybody gathers inevitably, how beautifully your house is furnished, everybody will just end up in the kitchen. Uh, yes. That's just, that's just the law of kitchen parties. Always. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and open up to it. Right. Oh, it's totally okay. Get messy, uh, make mistakes, (laughs) all of those things. I think it's, I think it is such a beautiful parallel for your emotional life. Right. You're this, the physical piece and the material, like what you eat, what you consume, but the emotional connections are undeniable. But the, the cook inside of you, the time in the kitchen, is is about more than you as half of something or part of something, mm. right? Mm-hmm. The the kitchen piece is about you as a human being here nourishing yourself. 
Sometimes there are special guests, <laughs> right? And that's that, that reframe, I think, was really helpful. That the real constant thing is me here in my kitchen. I feel like you've given like the most incredible, beautiful thesis on this subject. Like, oh, that's so kind. Joshna, thank you so much for sharing everything. That was a big, brave conversation that tasted like mega flavors, but in my ears, you know, and in my heart. That was everything I dreamed it would be and more. Somehow, thank you. Save the date, Big D's. My season finale, recorded with a live audience, will be this January 2023 on Thursday the 19th in downtown Toronto. And my guest will be, drumroll please, Samantha Biddy. She is an incredible sexual health and consent educator, certified emotional intelligence coach, and public speaker. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. So stay tuned to my Instagram account at Big D Pod for access to early bird tickets. Patreon members also get a discount code. Speaking of, many thanks to my badass D's my Patreon subscribers. I am so grateful for all of you. Thank you, Jacob, Dana, Rachel, Sophie, Greta, Jillian, Naomi, Bailey, Danielle, Nadine, Deanna, Chloe. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That code will be coming to your inboxes soon. Credit for writing, production, editing, mixing, etc. It all goes to me, your host, Miranda. Thanks to all my friends who believed I could and can, so I did and I do.